Welcome back to the Bag Drop Podcast. Professor, good morning to you. Beautiful day here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it was great to see you in the flesh the other day. Um, what did we do the other night? Let's go and give a quick shout out to, to a buddy of ours. Past, past uh, guest of this beautiful podcast, Micah Pushnell, known as Push Daddy out there on the Twitterverse. Uh, we, we, we were uh, the host, a guest of, of, of Push for an iration show, my first live iration show. I've been listening to him for a decade, and we finally got to a show. It was awesome, man. Yeah, everybody, if, you got, if you're into that, or even if you're not into that, go see some live music, Push and the crew. Um, they put on a good show, and it's kind of fun to be in the groupie section, too. I've never... We, we got to get them back on and get in the unwritten rules of uh, of tour life. We, we got to do it. 100%. I have so many questions about tour life. Like, what's, what's you know, the rules, what's said, what's unspoken. There's a, there's a lot of questions I have about tour life. Also, shout out to the Tabernacle. Never been to that venue. Sweet acoustics. Good spot. Loved, loved the Tabernacle. Yeah. Atlanta's got some good music. Atlanta and Athens, we, we do it up well. Well, I'm pretty uh, pretty jazzed about today's guest because, as you know, Kevin, I mean, I'm a basketball guy. I, golf golf is my my heart for sure. But if if I go back to the origination of like sport for for Matt Constantine, it was basketball. It was always hoops. I just wanted to be a pro pro hooper, man. But you know, size and things ended up. I went the golf route. That's okay. But I uh, I also and this will be the first guest we've had from the storied Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, franchise. And so I, th- I think about all the Cleveland sports, you know, I think we're both Cleveland sports guys. Obviously we've moved around a little bit, but we've stuck with our teams. I'm really a Cavs fan. I mean, I love the Guardians. I love the Browns, but I'm, I'm a Cavs fan at heart. So I'm really excited about Dylan Windler showing up uh, for the pod today. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Same thing. Growing up, you know, definitely probably went to a lot of Guardians games, but dad raised me a cab. I mean, Mark Price jerseys hanging in the, in the bedroom got with a signature on it went to like they'd always come down to this little conference at our little small high school go to that and just go to those games and i'll never forget coming back from that 3-1 um against the warriors and and i busted out in tears whenever at the end of that game um that's game seven that's i think that's the biggest sports memory i'll i i have to date yeah, that, that that might that might come up. That was special. You, you're so old. You probably saw games at Richfield Coliseum. I did. I I, I went to the Rich man <laughs> down in the middle of nowhere, but a little more convenient for me to get to from come where a little, I was little easier from. for Akron Canton to get uh, to to get to Richfield. Middle yeah. of a middle of a field. Well, what um, do you got to educate us today? Anything anything intelligent to share? What do you know about research methodologies? <laughs> not much. We're, we're, we're going my lane today. We're not going. We're not going podcast or anything like that. Yeah. So research methodologies. I'm like, oh, let's just take, you know, driving back to Sweden's Cove, and I listen to iration rather than podcast. So so nothing on that on that nerdy front. I'm going to bore you with a quick one. So obviously research methodologies um, is huge, and, and you can really. I'm going to be very overly simplistic here, but. You can break it down to qualitative and quantitative research methodologies in terms of the work we do. So qualitative research methodologies you can think of as like interviews, right? We're doing actually, you could think of this as a research methodology to get into Dylan's life, right? I'm, so I'm a qualitative guy. I'm a qualitative guy. Yeah. So again, overly simplistic, but qualitative, you can think of as like no quant, no number data, right? So we're just going to interview him, ask him about his life, and we could write a narrative based on that. On the other side, you have quantitative research methodologies. So those are like data-driven methodologies. Statistics often is, again, this is overly simplistic, but statistics could be a thing thought of as a lot of quantitative methodologies. But also even neuroscience, right? Anything that's based on the data of like MRI imaging, you could think of that's that's 
there's numerical data driving that, right? There's a spectrum that's there and it's that could be thought of as quantitative data. All right, so that's the gen- generic thing, but why did I bring this up as a fact of the day? One of the coolest things going on in my field right now is a blend of the two. And we're actually looking at, can we take qualitative, so like doing interviews with students, math students, and how they, let's say, problem solve and reason through a problem. Can we then look at quantitative data, say MRI imaging, and the data along with and along with that, and can we actually blend those together to better understand how students reason mathematically? So it's pretty new in, the, in our field. This is about the last five years, thanks to some ongoing developments in neuroscience, that we can say, hey, we figured out this on the qualitative side. Can we now look for the the uh, neurological correlates that help us like back up our claims? Um, so anyways, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you handle the neuroscience part of the interview today. I'll just stick to the qualitative questions if that's all right. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That's fascinating, though. Good, good fact of the day. Thank you, Professor. Uh, shout out to our sponsor of the pod this month. Golf's Future Stars are coming back to the Glen Club with a new summer date, July 25th through 30th. The Corn Ferry Tour season is heating up, and you can watch the game's future stars compete for a coveted spot on the PGA Tour. All rounds, all four rounds, will also be streamed live on barstool.tv with appearances from well-known barstool sports personalities. Visit NV5 invitational.com to secure tickets or all inclusive experiences like the hangar presented by Corona Premier and find out who's next at the Glen Club in July. Professor, let's get to the show. Dylan, welcome to the backdrop. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. I'm excited to talk some golf. I do a lot of podcasts, and uh, most of them are all hoops and, and stuff along that line. So it's cool to come on and just talk about a different sport that I also love to play, uh, but don't get as much time to do. We uh, this is a golf podcast for sure, but I, I've I've maybe shifted us in the basketball category in, in a few episodes of this season. We had Jay Billis on earlier. We got to geek out on a little bit of basketball, but mostly talked about golf. And we want to give you the opportunity to talk more about golf. So maybe I'll start with the the obvious one is uh, you're a golfer. You grew up a golfer. You you were a pretty darn good golfer from what I can gather. Tell us about your your childhood of the ba- the balance between golf and basketball. Yeah, yeah. So I started off uh, really young. My dad took me out to the range, just kind of whacked balls around, kind of developed a swing that way, just just going out, uh, practicing short game, hitting the range. Uh, so that's kind of how I got introduced to the game, was just kind of going out there and having fun and hitting balls around like a lot of other kids do. Um, and then... I just uh, had a, a knack for it, and I, I really enjoyed playing, so I just tried to get better and better, and my swing was uh, really starting to develop, and I had a pretty good swing, so I knew um, you know, I could be pretty good at the, this game. And um, I think I entered my first tournament probably around like 10 years old. I don't, I'm not sure exactly, but um, didn't do very well, man. I was It was my first uh, real tournament where you, you know, you're counting every stroke, you're playing the ball down, uh, you know, you're going up against other kids, and it's just this competitive environment. It's a little bit different um, for me as a kid playing golf. So uh, that was kind of a kick in the face for me because I didn't really, uh, I didn't like to lose at stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was really good for my golf career early is getting smacked uh, in the 10-year-old golf tournament. So, um, you know, I went back to work and, you know, I played – all growing up. I played in Indy Junior. I grew up in Indianapolis. So I played in uh, all types of local little circuits for golf in the summer. Uh, and then I ended up playing in middle school all the way through high school. 
um, and, and competed and, and had some really good success growing up. Um, you know, uh, in high school, I think, you know, I won county one year. I won our conference tournament one year. Uh, I made it to the state as a freshman uh, individually my freshman year. Um, shot 69 to get through uh, regionals on the state. So uh, I was really competitive, man. I was, you know, I, I was usually at the course at least five or six times a week, either just hitting, hitting some balls, you know, playing nine, just putting, doing something. Uh, so it was hard for me because in high school, um, I really had a decision to make whether, you know, which one I wanted to pursue. So I was, I was always really good at basketball growing up too, just naturally. It was kind of, you know, I loved playing the game and, you know, same thing. I kind of just got better over time and hit a little bit of a growth spurt in high school. So, uh, it's funny the first two summers, uh, of high school, I actually was all in on golf. Uh, so I was playing tournaments all summer instead of AU basketball. So I didn't play AU basketball until after my junior year of high school. Um, you know, I was getting some looks in golf. Uh, you know, I was playing some of the bigger tournaments. I played a few AJGA tournaments, but never won any of those really big tournaments that get you like some of those big offers. Uh, and then I had a good, good junior year of high school high school basketball. So I was like, you know, maybe I need to try to get on a U team, just kind of see where this can take me. So I ended up getting on a good team with Indiana elite, but you know, I was still, you know, that team, you know, a U teams, they've been together for 10, 10 years plus all these guys are playing together, they grow up. So you hop into a team after the junior year of high school, it's kind of, you know, you're a little bit out of the, you're, you're behind, you're out of the mix. So I think I came in, I was probably seventh guy on that team, you know, second or third guy off the bench on a U team. Um, you know, it wasn't really going well first few tournaments. You know, I didn't get as much PT time as I wanted. Uh, I wasn't, you know, getting all these looks and offers and calls from all these coaches that I wanted. Uh, and then there was one one weekend. It was actually on the north side of Indy uh, where, you know, two or three of our top guys. I think Kyle Guy was there. He was one of our better players. Ryan Klein and went to Purdue. Um, you know, those guys had a, a camp, some Adidas camp that weekend. So they weren't there. And I ended up starting and, and playing, you know, a hefty amount of minutes that weekend and had a really, really good tournament. We ended up winning the tournament. Um, and that weekend I got my first division one offer and probably my 15th or 16th all in one weekend. <laughs> so I, I ended up leaving that tournament with probably Bell of the ball. <laughs> 15 plus division one offers. And that was kind of the, the point where I was like, you know, I think I got to try and pursue this basketball thing. And, and then I was just, full steam ahead with basketball. And how many golf offers were sitting there at the same time? Any at that time? Yeah, there were, there was a few locals. Like I could have gone to some local schools around Indy, but, um, nothing, nothing big or anything. Like I said, I, I hadn't won any of those big AJGA tournaments or amateur tournaments, yeah, uh, yeah. to really get some of those bigger offers. Was it an easy decision to say from that point on? Because that sounds like that was really what opened the door. But was it an easy decision from that point on? Or because I'm imagining when you're sitting, you know, would you say second, third off the bench in, in some of those summer games, you're like probably thinking about your golf game, right? And thinking yeah. about okay, I got to sharpen up my wedge game. I got to get ready. But did that from that point on when you got all those offers, was it just instant? And you're like, I'm I'm going to play basketball. Yeah, it was pretty instant. Uh, I mean, that's obviously the goal of why you play high school athletics. Most people is, you know, you're trying to get a free scholarship. You're trying to get to school for free and, and play Division one, Division one sports. 
Uh, so once I got those offers, you know, and I had all this interest and all this buzz and I was like, all these teams want me, you know, I think, you know, I can make a pretty good career out of basketball. Um, not that it's saying I couldn't make one out of golf, but, you know, at that point it was, you know, the offers are on the table. This is real, uh, you know, so you kind of forced to pursue it at that point. So at that point then, what did your relationship with golf become? Did you just drop the game completely? Did you still compete a little bit? You know, where, where'd you go from there? Um, I would have played, uh, my senior year of high school golf. I would have still played it out. Uh, but in Indy, our season is in the spring. So it kind of runs into the summer. So I had to tell my golf coach that because I had already committed to Belmont going into my senior year, uh, of high school and, you know, for, uh, college basketball, you have to be there in the summer going into your freshman year. So I would have missed like the last month of the golf season. So I would have missed all sectional state, all that stuff. So I ended up not even playing golf, uh, high school golf my last year, unfortunately. Um, so at that point it was kind of just, you know, golf is now a leisure sport for me. You know, I just, I don't, I wasn't practicing as much. I didn't, you know, I didn't have as much time to, to, uh, put towards it. Cause I was all in on basketball at this point. So I kind of just flipped that switch and now, you know, I'm in the gym all summer instead of on the course. So yeah, was that was that tough? Did you did you miss golf right away? Like, it was a hard conversation with coach? Yeah, it was tough. You know, I really wanted to finish out my high school golfing career because I, you know, I wanted to make it to state again. I wanted to, you know, win another big tournament in high school. Um, and you know, I was still really good at golf. Um, just because you know, I ended up deciding to, you know, go to bas or go to Belmont and play basketball doesn't mean you know I wasn't still really competitive in the golf space. So I did want to finish out. Uh, my senior year and just see what kind of tournaments I could win. Uh, so it, it was kind of a bummer when I ended up having to to make that decision and, and go strictly basketball. When did the growth spurt hit, Dylan? Because I know that changes uh, both the basketball game and the golf game. When did you, when did you get to, what are you, 6'7 now? Yeah, I'm 6'7. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably like freshman or sophomore year of high school. Um, you know, I was probably barely six foot in, in eighth grade or something. And then I would say by my sophomore, maybe sophomore summer, I was six, five. So probably like five inches or so in a year or two. I know, I know the, uh, the wingspans even more, right? It's about six ten from, from the stats yeah. online. Yeah. And I know that that comes in key with, with defensively on the basketball court, but it also, it comes in key with the swing arc. So my question is, do you know what your ball speed is? Do you know what your swing speed is with that driver, with the big stick? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really high. I, I need to f see what my actual swing speed is, but I was on a track man not too long ago getting fitted for a club. And all my numbers are way above tour average on yeah. swing speed, ball speed. Um, yeah, I mean, I driver, I carry 330 pretty much every time. And six irons, like 215, 220. I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that helps. That helps, that helps <laughs> right, yeah. Professor? Yeah. What, professor, what would you be shooting if you were carrying at 330 right now? You trying to back me into the Michael Block um, commentary right now? I mean, I'd be one of the best in the world if I hit a 330. With the way I wedge it, I mean, look, I'd be uh, LACC right now. I'm not talking to you, Bozos. Yeah, this is actually a perfect time to come on this pod. I played golf yesterday, and uh, I made an albatross for the first time ever. Hey! No, yeah. where at? Give us the details. Where at? Yeah. Yeah, give us the shot, uh, the, the hole, the shot. Talk us yeah, about. yeah. So 
it's out at Greystone in Dixon, Tennessee, so about 45 minutes west of Nashville. Uh, they actually just played the Tennessee Open there, uh, right. I think a week prior. And uh, it's a cool little course, public course, but it's it's nice. So obviously par five, uh, well, I guess not obvious, but par five, uh, shorter, I think it was 490. Uh, dog leg left, uh, fairway kind of just runs away from you to the left, little uh, lake on the left or a pond. Uh, so I, I play a natural draw. Sometimes it can turn into a big draw. Um, so I hit one really good off the tee and it ran out. Uh, so 490, I, I had 130 in. Um, I hit a 56-degree from 130, and the, the greens were really soft. Um, so they were spinning quite a bit. So I hit my, hit my uh, sand wedge in, front pin. I hit it on the back side of the green, probably 20 feet past the hole. Hits and then just trickles all the way back towards the hole. Probably, you know, four or five seconds it's just running back and then you just see it hit the pan and drop and i threw my club i'm running around the fairway and i had a uh, one of my buddies there with me too and it was awesome so yeah i think awesome. albatross is more rare than hole in one so i the think bird man the big bird the how many people got the big bird yeah do yeah. you have the hole in one as well i do i got the first one last summer too so i got it yeah, ah. I played I played all this competitive golf my whole life. Never got one. I mean, I've hit pins and stuff, but I finally got it. I actually was playing with my my college coach from Belmont last summer, and I had it. Uh, I got it. I think it was like I think it was a pitching wedge, like one forty five or so, one fifty, and um, it was actually like a blind green. It was up up a hill, so I didn't get to see it go in. It was one of those things where you walk up and then you're like, I thought it was a pretty good shot, and then you know look in and end up it's in the hole so i got them both now it sounds like the uh the summertime the off season you're in the gym but you're you're that's probably when you're playing your golf do you get to play any during the regular season when you're going um not too much um so i get back into cleveland i usually come back in september what is it august september so i play a few rounds uh before up there because obviously the weather's still nice at that time um, and then once we get in season and games are going, um, not really, you know, I might play a, a round or two before it gets cold up there. Uh, but other than that, no, I don't, I really don't play for, you know, six months straight and it's I, tough. I, do you have a favorite course in Northeast Ohio? I recently moved back and I haven't played a lot of golf in Northeast Ohio since I was like a teenager. So do you, do you got a favorite track in Cleveland yet or somewhere that you really enjoyed? Yeah, yeah. There's a few courses I play. Um, I actually have a buddy who's a member down at Firestone by you. Yeah, so I love I love those courses. Um, all three of them are really nice. So anytime I go down there, it's, it's awesome. Um, played 36 a couple times out there. Um, yeah, so that course is obviously always a mint, and I love that track. Uh, I play at Canterbury a couple times. Oh yeah, out east. Uh, that that's a fun track too. It's been under construction a couple of times when I played it with the tee boxes, but the greens are just unreal, lightning fast. Uh, that can be frustrating. You know, you have like a ten footer and it ends up in three putt, and it's just like, all right. Uh, and then Sleepy Hollow is right by our facility, a uh, little Metro Parks course. Love that course. It's, oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's actually really good for a little Metro course. And then I played at Manakiki's, another metro I like to play. 
Um, and then <clears throat> I think the only other one I've played really is Sweetbriar out west. Um, so yeah, that's like usually where I go. One of those five spots. That's great. You you, you name some hitters, man. Those are yeah. some spots I've been I've been just itching to get back and yeah. see. Is there anybody on the the roster with yourself that can give you a game on the golf course? Are there? Mm, what's the golf caliber? No. What's the what's the talent on the golf course like for the Cavs squad right now? I think I could give anybody a stroke a hole, and it's not even a competition on our team currently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody could shoot under hundred. To be honest. Do, you, do you still bring them out or are you just like, no, nah, I'm letting you boys stay in the I gym? Actually, Darius is actually starting to try and pick it up this summer. I've seen some clips of him out in the range. Um, so I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to go out to the range with him and see what his swing's like, try to tighten it up for him a little bit. I could see Garland having some hand, like some yeah, he's, he's got, got those he's, soft mitts, you know? Yeah, you gotta yeah, have soft got the, mitts. Got the finesse, you gotta have the feel, you gotta have the, the feel in the hands. Uh so he could get there. Yeah. I could see, I could see, uh, uh, man, I'd love to see Mobley's talk about swing. Mm. I'd love to see how high he could get that club, man. Yeah. Just pound it. He's a gamer too. He, he could probably figure out golf eventually, but you know, picking up golf at, you know, past 20 years old, it's, it's pretty tough. It's probably one of the tougher things to do with sports. In, in basketball, the golf is having a moment in basketball, man. It's crazy. You know, yeah. you got Steph and you got JJ Redick stepping out and, and, you know, sharing more of his golf love. You got, you just have so many players that are like picking up the game after the bubble, just like everybody else in COVID, mm. right? Um, do, you, do you talk to guys about their golf game when you know somebody on the other squad is, is a big time golfer? Do you like say, hey man, how's your game? Do you have those like small talks? Yeah, I've, uh, I've played with a, a couple of guys. Uh, I played in a charity event in Memphis last year for St. Jude, and I played. I actually got the uh, honor of playing 18 holes with Vince Carter in the same cart. Uh, so we got to chop it up for 18 holes. He, he was. He's actually a really good golfer too. He, I think he lives um, down in, in Florida, somewhere by Tiger or whatever, in the same little community. So he's. I think he's got the itch, man. He's he, and he played well. He shot low 80s. Like got a good swing. Uh, Garrett Temple was out there. He's a, he's another golfer uh, in the league. He's 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 pretty good. He's got a good swing as well. So, I think more and more of them are starting to pop out, man. I think, like you said, COVID and and being in the bubble. I'm sure guys started to golf a little bit in the bubble, and then, you know, after that, kind of just. I feel like once you get the itch for golf, man, it's it just runs, and you kind of get addicted. It's kind of it's kind of that uh, addictive personality type type of sport. Because uh, you always, there's always ways to get better. Like, especially when you're first starting out, like you can drop five strokes, ten strokes, pretty quick if you just start to tighten up your short game or start to hit some fairways. Like, so I think for NBA guys, it's just so competitive. It's that competitive sport where they want to keep getting better. Like, I want to, I want to figure this out. Like, like I don't like not being good at something. So, uh, I think there's always ways to get better in that. And, and golf is obviously it's just a, such a fun sport, and you get to be outside and. Uh, drive around and golf. So I think it's just all around an awesome sport for guys to get into. Yeah, as someone that has been good at both sports, what do you see as the comparables between golf and basketball? Maybe similarities and differences uh, and kind of advice you'd give these people trying to transfer into golf? Yeah, obviously golf is uh, an individual sport. So that's the main difference. You know, basketball, uh, a team sport, you have 10, 15 guys. Um, so in golf, it's, you know, it's all on you. Um, you know, when you hit a bad shot, you don't have somebody there to, to pick you up the next shot or to bail you out. Um, you know, it's all on you. And 
it's a lot mentally that goes into that. I think the biggest uh, correlation is just the mental strength that you can take from golf to basketball, you know, um, you know, hitting a few bad shots, you know, just trying to get up to the tee and hit, hit a good one the next time. Same thing in basketball. You, you miss a couple threes or whatever. You don't want to get hesitant. Um, you just want to keep shooting. So I think mentally uh, golf helped me get pretty mentally strong just going through uh, being able to internalize some of those emotions individually and, and, and learning how to deal with that and just kind of uh, being able to, you know, overcome that stuff. And in basketball, like I said, um, there's a lot of stuff you can take from it mentally, just being able to, to get through that grind when, when you're not, you know, playing well. Uh, and then obviously in basketball, you have those teammates there that you think that can pick you up. That's probably the biggest difference. The, on, on, uh, in, in improvement and just like that, that idea, I think that's, that's interesting with golf. And I'm sure like you've, you've had this success and, and clear growth as a basketball player. Are there factors you attribute to your personal success in that? Is, is every year getting better and obviously getting to the biggest stage in the game? Is Does some of that come from golf? Or like what, what are the key factors that re- attributed to your success, you think? Yeah, for me, it's it, come, it honestly just boils down to uh, just my competitive nature, my competitive edge, like always wanting to get better. Um, never, never settled with, you know, if somebody's, you know, getting one step ahead of me, you know, I need to figure out how to get, get even with him and past him. Um, and, and my mom, uh, is a big part of my success too at a young age. She's just installed this, this hardworking, um, grinded out mentality. Just, you know, she, she raised us as a single mom most of our lives and, and she's, she's done so much for us and she's always found a way to get stuff done. Uh, but in terms of just getting better each year, that's, you know, I've done that since my freshman year of high school. Um, you know, I came into high school, didn't, you know, I was, I was still good. I made the varsity team, but came off the bench, you know, probably averaged a couple points a game, didn't do too much. And then, you know, sophomore to junior to senior, you know, it's like five to 15 to ended up averaging 24 points a game in high school. And I did the exact same thing in college. I uh, came in my my freshman year of college. We had a really good team at Belmont. I think I averaged three or four points my freshman year. Came off the bench, just kind of a glue guy. Uh, and then junior year, it was 11 points. And then, uh, or sophomore year, it was 11 points. Junior year, I ended up averaging 17. And then my senior year, I think I ended up leaving averaging 22, 23. So it's just that improvement for me. I have a really good way of kind of figuring things out as I go. So kind of adapting uh, to, to, to what I'm playing in. Um, so yeah, I just, I think obviously a lot of the work comes in the summer and, um, I just try to outwork guys and and figure it out. And obviously I think you, as you go and you, um, adapt to the game over the years, you kind of get more familiar with the speed of the game. You just get more comfortable the more you play and the more reps you go through. Um, so I think the comfortability is the biggest thing for me. I just kind of figure out how to get more comfortable in the game that I'm playing, whatever level it's, that it's at. And then obviously just combining that with all the work and all the shots and all the repetitions. Um, and then at, eventually at the end, you know, you feel really co- confident and, and comfortable in that game. You brought up your mom there as being an integral part of your life and instilling, you know, just hard work ethic and just getting back up and getting back at it. Has she been a 
within the sports world, both in golf and basketball, has she also been a permanent presence for you? Does she, you know, go to your games? Was she following oh, you on man. the course? Like, is she like integral now or just bystander? Yeah, talk no, to she, What's her role? She was extremely active in everything I did. Uh, she, I couldn't really remember a golf tournament she wasn't at uh, growing up. You know, whether that's in the summer where we're traveling state to state, uh, high school golf, you know, she's she's figuring out how to get off work early or, or leave straight from work to come to my golf tournament. I mean, she is there at every single sporting event I've ever been at. Uh, basketball, AAU basketball. Um, I mean, she is just, it's unreal how she does it. You know, she's single mom. She works, you know, a nine to five job most of her life. Um, and then raised me and my sister and just always doing something always doing something, running somewhere, but always, always something for us. And she knew uh, that being there and having that presence was something that, you know, we needed and she was always there. And it, it was always nice to be able to look up and know that she was, she was always supporting us. Now, she moved down to Belmont with you when you came down to college or um, is she down there in Nashville now? Um, she still currently lives on the South side of Indy, uh, finishing up. She's got a couple more years of work that she wants to finish up and then she's going to end up probably moving down here. But yeah, Belmont's, I think, four and a half hour drive. And I don't think she missed a game, home game when I was at Belmont. Wow. She would. So we had a game at, you know, seven or whatever. She would try to take off work about an hour or two early and come straight from work. And her, she'd be at, at the game in her work clothes. Um, and, and then she would you most likely spend the night and get up at 4 or 5 a.m. and drive and be at work the next morning. I mean, just unbelievable. I don't know how she does wow. it. She, she just never that, stops. Yeah. That's dedication. The, um, you know, the steps to, I mean, it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with the people that support you and make it make it happen. But I, I imagine that that jump, uh, you know, to college is one thing and you made it look fairly easy. I know you got better each year, but you made it look easy, uh, especially against Maryland in 2019, <laughs> where you dropped 35 on them and shot 45% from three. That was, uh, I remember that. Um, but uh, but the jump to pro, like tell us a little bit about, you know, the 99.999% of us that won't ever feel that. Like when you get to surround yourself with the best basketball players in the world, like what what are those what are those challenges that you've run into, and what are the the things that have helped you to, to get better? Is it like veterans that are around that can kind of help you through those transitions? What, what what was that like, and what are the challenges that you you run into? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, being getting to the NBA was a lifelong dream of mine, and I'm blessed to still be a part of it. Um, you know, I've obviously I've dealt with some major injuries since I've got here, and that's by far the biggest hurdle that I've had to overcome um, in terms of you know multiple surgeries and stuff from very minor stuff, you know, such as a f stress fracture in a bone that turns into some bigger surgery that you have to get. Um, and I've never gone through any type of orthopedic surgeries or really any major injuries, so I, I've developed a, a major. Uh, respect and a different view for a lot of these guys that go through these major injuries, man. It's just, it's so much more than, you know, physical rehab. Um, it's mentally, it's just very draining at times. Um, and it's such a long drawn out recovery process. You know, you get a surgery and it's 12 month rehab and, you know, you have to sit through 82 games or whatever. You get to see your teammates out there doing, having all the success and you're kind of just feel very isolated and, 
and, um, you know, going through this rehab process on your own. So that's definitely the biggest hurdle I've had to face since I've been in the league um, is, is that injury and re- rehabilitation. But in terms of um, just basketball and play, I mean, there was obviously that the the shock when you first get into the league, which just how big, how much bigger everybody is. You know, I came from mid-major division one, uh, you know, it's good basketball, but the size is just the, the, the glaring difference when you get to the league, you know, you have a seven footer in the paint every time when you're trying to get to the rim and just a lot more speed and length uh, clogging up, clogging up the lanes and stuff. But uh, the veterans are definitely a, a big help uh, for young guys. Just you know, be, being through everything and seeing everything, uh, they know how to know how to um, deal and cope with all types of different situations. So you can come at guys, you know, with injury. You know, there's always somebody that's been through an injury, so they can talk you through that. Um, you know, there's always guys that have been through big slumps or whatever, and you know, not not playing good for a stretch of the time. They've always been able to come out of that. So. Uh, being able to talk to older guys that have been through it is definitely helpful uh, going through it because it, it can be, you know, frustrating. You know, NBA is a job um, just like anything else. You know, that's the first time you play basketball for a living or for somebody else or, you know, for a paycheck. You know, the rest of your life, basketball is just um, obviously it's competitive, but it's just for fun. You know, you playing uh, with your with your buddies. Uh, that you've grown up with your whole life. You go to college, you're playing with your roommates, and then you make it to the NBA, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a job. Uh, so just the dynamic with that is a little bit differently, is a little different, uh, and that can, you know, wear, wear you down mentally as well, uh, dealing with that and external factors. But, yeah, I think always going to older guys is the way to do it. So, Dylan, I think one of the coolest things about your story is or the constant arc in your narrative is improvement, right? So you start golfing your tent and you get better. Mm-hmm. You get a little bit of growth spurt and basketball, you take off. You get the Belmont, you know, you start off good, good, but then you get better, right? And that's that's a constant. So I got to ask, you know, I don't want to ask about post-NBA just because you're still in it, but I'm going to mm-hmm. ask it. So when that moment comes... Is amateur golf on the comp- on the competitive circuit in your future? Are you going to dive back in there? And, and Matt and I are going to see you teeing up across from us and be like, oh, here he is, you know, with that six foot six, 330 bomb. How are we <laughs> going to compete against that? Is, that? is that what we're looking forward to? Yeah, I don't see how it doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any world. <laughs> Damn, where I was I hoping he going to say no. <laughs> no, I don't see there's any world where I'm not. I mean, I could be out in the golf course five, six days a week right now if I had the time for it. I just love the sport that much. So, you know, I'll end up being a member at a club somewhere and, and being over there every day. I don't see how there's any way where I don't try to compete in tournaments again. What, you got, you got any eligibility left? You can't go play college golf like JR, right? Uh, I don't, how does that work? If I didn't play, I, if I didn't play golf in college, can I go back and play golf? I don't think so. Or since so. I, I served four years of athletics that it's over with. We got that's a, that we should yeah. that could, we Jay Billis would know the answer play, to that because that guy reads the guy. I'll try to get in some amateur tournaments and I'm gonna say I might be looking for a new full ball, four ball partner and I might just whoa, skip whoa. over Matt. <laughs> hey hey, I, okay. I'm in. Count me in. I'm professor. You just met this guy. We got chemistry, man. You All member guests you out can. there. Uh, you know, I'm open. Dude, Dylan, just skip the amateur game, man. You can't go from getting paid <laughs> to play basketball to play to paying to play golf. That sounds silly. Come on. Yeah. Go. You're right. You're right. I'm going go I'm going, going all in. <laughs> go. I'm going I'm declaring my my professional career and I'm going to go out and win the Tennessee Open first and then just <laughs> yeah, go from there. More albatrosses than you will, yeah. for sure. For sure. <laughs> um 
I got to ask just about the Cavs and being a part of that organization. Uh, this past season was pretty thrilling to watch. Like I, I moved back and I got it on the local, you know, valleys. I didn't have to go through VPNs to get the streaming or, you know, log in my friend's NBA ticket. But, uh, and I've watched a lot of them, man. Like it's just, it's deep. And there's a ton of guys like yourself that we're introduced to that are fun to watch. And it seems like there's a lot of chemistry. What, what can give us some insight to like the summer? What, what's going on? You, do you guys get together? Is everyone doing their individual workouts? And then follow up, what can we expect going into, you know, 2023-24 season? Yeah, obviously, uh, last year was the first year um, we made the playoffs. So that was, it was awesome. And I've been here for four years. And my first year, you know, we we're in the start of a rebuild post-LeBron post era. Um, and I think we didn't, we were sub-20 games our first year. Uh, second year, you know, not too much better, but made a little bit of improvements. And then... Last year, we were able to make the plan tournament after we had a really good regular season. Then we kind of fell at the end of the year. I think we were second in the East at one point and then slowly dropped and made the plan tournament and then ended up, you know, not making it to playoffs that year and then coming back last year and getting a four seed. So it's kind of seen that same improvements from from this team every year. We know we got a young team, so that's usually how it works. Uh, got a lot of good talent. Just just need that experience and you know, Darius and, and Evan getting this valuable playoff experience and um, obviously adding Donovan to the mix and, and having Jarrett to like, it's only going to get better. Um, we have a lot of stars. And once you get that experience under your belt, um, like I said, you just get more comfortable and more confident in those moments. So I think it's just going to only go up from here. All right. I got to ask you a hypothetical. You get to choose any team to play for in the league, Right. But you're choosing it based on you're going to get access to all the local golf courses when you're there, right? <laughs> so you're going to live there 12 months of the year. You can play anywhere, everywhere. Where where do you where where are you doing, where are you going to end up? How how much are you going to balance like the quality of the team versus the quality of the golf? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I probably go. What's closest to, I would probably say like Golden State is probably closest to like Pebble Beach and uh, all those courses out there, like Spyglass and stuff. Yep. That's probably where I go. Yeah, that's Maybe. a good one. Where are you going, Matt? What's uh, that, That's probably my answer, to be honest. I mean, how do you beat like even the Bay Area? Oh, yeah. Just generally, you got the Cow Club and Lake Merced and uh San Francisco Golf Club. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, West Cypress, Pasa Tiempo. Right. New York's tough too, though. You know, you, Man, you don't want to play for the, you don't want to play for the Knicks. Oh, no, I'm not going to play for the Knicks. Hell don't no, want to up for them. And, I mean, I'm not anyways, but I wouldn't want to. And Short months. And, and, the, and hey, the list he listed in and Northeast Ohio. Let's be honest. Those are some good golf courses, man. <laughs> That's on my list. They're not bad. It's just too cold to play yeah. when I'm there. That's the only unfortunate part. So this sure. in season, you, it's got to be got to be warm enough to where you can get out on off day. New York might might be too cold. Yeah, you do get the summer benefit if you have that Long Island access. I mean, that's going to be yeah. fun. Up they and got around some the, good golf out there. Yeah, the White Plains area and everything that is. But yeah. I, I think quality of basketball too. I mean, it's hard to be. It's hard to pick against the Warriors right now if you're balancing the golf in the basketball. It's right. pretty high quality. Dylan, last question for you. You got um, areas of the, we all go into the golf season, right? With like, you know what? This year, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out my putting from, you know, inside ten feet. Or this year, I'm gonna drive the ball better. It's like 
do you have an area of your basketball game that you actually view for like the off season of like, you know what? Everything's got to improve. I know that. Like you guys are always, always perfecting crap. Is there anything specifically you focus in on, on your basketball game? Do you, do you approach it that way at all? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's more so just fine tuning certain things. Like, you know, I can always, I've always been able to shoot the ball well. Um, so yeah, there's always repetitions in that, but it's how, you know, how much quicker can you get off your release? How much can you catch high, shoot high, you know, get it off quicker? Um, footwork is a big thing for me, you know, coming off screens, you have that left, right or right, left, or, you know, coming off two. Um, so I think footwork is the biggest thing for me in the off seasons. A lot of time, um, you know, I'm always getting my my reps in shooting wise, but can I get that footwork to where it's quicker and enables me to get my shot up quicker? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Same question for your golf game now. Okay. Wait, what, what, um, what are you working on? If, if if anything, it sounds like it's a, it's a casual outlet for you now. But is there anything in your golf game? You you just got fitted, so you're probably thinking about the game. Yeah, uh, I'd say if I had to w- focus on something, it would be like the 50 to like 100-yard shot because I have so many of those in par fours. Like, yeah, because, you know, 350, whatever, 400-yard par fours, I'm hitting driver and I always have just this, you know, soft wedge in 50 to 100 yards. So I think if I can dial that in to where I'm within 15, 20 feet every time and always give myself a birdie look, I think that's where I'll really start to score. Man, I, I did just lose my four ball partner because Kevin's sitting there thinking, man, I can teach him that. I can I can get him dialed in there. That is that is the professor's strength, man. Him with really? a wedge is dangerous, Dylan. Yeah, we might have a few few drills. I'll shoot you after this uh, after this right. recording to, to get you in line there. Okay. Are you, are you a clock guy? Like on your, you going back to a, I'm not a clock guy. I'm more just like be an athlete. Right. And like, just learn it. it uh, and I'm definitely yeah. a put into practice, like just practice those very intentionally and do that. Um, that's not, a, I'm not against the clock system that works awesome for a lot of people. And definitely if it works for you, like diet, like the clock system is great. My buddy Keith Guest yeah. here, Athens is a great player and he, he has a whole little document he keeps in his back pocket about, everything down to like every three yards um oh clock. wow okay yeah, yeah that's, that's that's real clock thing. that's yes yeah, i'm more of a feel guy i think like i have a, you know a bit of a feel with the clock but i don't i'm not that specific i'm more so just feel kind of mm-hmm. how far i take it back mm-hmm. well dylan thanks for for joining us man and uh you let's play some golf we're both in northeast ohio i gotta hit your window and 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 professor if you want i'll I'll go head to head with dylan for a spot with you on the four ball qualifier man i can't believe i I lost to my my lifelong partner on the golf course is now just he just meets a guy he hears his ball speed and he's just dropping me like i'm I'm enamored with distance because i don't have it so I'm just enamored by it. <laughs> Maybe I hit the gym. Any, <laughs> J- Dylan, thanks, man. It was really awesome hearing just your story. I, I had read yeah. about it so long ago, just you being a, a golfer out the gate and, um, you know, just that 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 emergence of your basketball game and and still that golf's a, a big part of your life. It's it's cool. It's cool. It really kind of um, us, us that play the golf course every week, but we would never dream of, of being on the hardwood for the NBA. It's, it's, it's cool to hear you talk about the game of golf in, in a very relatable fashion that, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're all kind of out there. It's, it's, I think it's the beauty of golf. I think it's one of the coolest things is that, you know, we can watch Rory and John Rahm and Brooks Kepka, but we, we can go out and do it ourselves. And I think that that is uh, that's awesome, man. So really appreciate you being with us today. 
Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a really fun conversation for me uh, to just talk about different, you know, still talk about basketball, but talk about some different stuff and just open up about other stuff and golf. And I'm always down to talk golf and more importantly, play golf. So um, always down to, to tee it up if you guys are ever around the area or whatever. You know, I'm in Nashville for the summer, so it's not too far. Uh, so let's try and figure it out. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Yep. Thank you, guys. Is that, I think, our first NBA professional on the podcast? Uh, what a guy. Dylan's Dylan's a great dude. Is that a backhanded slap to Jay Billis, maybe, right there? But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I'm sorry, no, Jay. Was, I forgot you played pro. That was ball, cool. Bro. I mean, that's uh, it reminds me of how pumped I am to do this podcast with you and coming on this year. Just you know, I knew Dylan's name from watching him at Belmont. I remember those years and with the Cavs, but like just an, an, an afterthought. And I don't mean that in a, a t- bad way, right? Just like yeah, okay. But then that was just such a fun interview and just again to see what golf does to someone and how it brings golfers together. And it's like you, it's like I know I've known him for a while, just sitting there talking golf. I, you know, the only thing I forgot to ask him was about his short game because I have a theory. I mean, this man shot 45% from three, one of the seasons in, in college. Like the dude can stroke it. And I always had a theory that people with that type of range and that type of uh, shooting ability have great putting strokes. They have great touch. They're good putters. They visually see lines like better. And and I've I've been proven by that by a lot of good basketball players that I've played with. But I, I forgot to ask him that. I wonder how his putting is. We talked about his long game, but we forgot to ask him about it. Yeah, I'm sure it's pretty good. I mean, he's a, you can tell he's a high-level golfer um, just by the way he talks. But I really appreciate it. Like, I love talking to athletes that have – anybody that's accomplished a ton in their life and, you know, moved to the top level because you often see this with them. Like, he had both a high level of confidence about himself, right? Like, when it's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to the amateur golf scene. I'm going to dominate it, right? And, but it's not cockiness. It's just confidence – and simultaneously humble, right? Like I need to get better. Yeah. Like I need, I got whipped. I got mm-hmm. whipped when I was 10 years old. I had to get better. And I love, you just see that from high level people that they're not like in your, like I've mentioned Michael Block, like, oh, I'd be a top level. Like they don't talk like that. They're just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to win. But I also know I need to get better. I need to improve to do that. They, they realize like, no, I'm good enough to do this. If I put in the work and work at it. Um, I'm going to accomplish yeah. that. And it's just fun seeing that balance of confidence and humbleness and, and so many top level people, whether it's business or sports. Yeah, I, I appreciate him sharing some of the challenges because I just, I tried to think about, you know, what it's like getting to that stage. But then, you know, he's kind of on that that bubble, right? Where he was playing for the charge and then up to the Cavs and back a few, a couple injuries. And it was cool to hear him talk through the challenges too. And, and I gained a, a really appreciation for, uh, those guys, because I think I think it's easy to kind of see them maybe not playing as many minutes when you're watching TV and you're you're thinking, oh, they got a cush, they got a cush, right? Like, not at all, man. They still get hurt. They still have to grind. They they are fighting for their lives, you know. And and then you hear them t- being a normal dude just going out and playing golf like the rest of us. It 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 kind of you know humanizes the stars, if you will, in in a way. So yeah, we we appreciate Dylan coming on, man. That was that was good. I'm and I will gear up for that that match with him i am not letting him take the professor away from my four ball dreams uh I, i'm gonna fight kevin so so just like his his confidence i got confidence dylan you going down bro 
I'm not letting you take the professor from my game. We might need to do a live pod while you're in the match. And I'll just, uh, I don't (laughs) say I want to narrate it because no one listens to that, but we got to figure out something around that. Into a similar uh, tone of, of development and growth, the Cornberry Tour is coming back to Glenview, Illinois, when the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank returns to the Glen Club July 25th through 30th. Make the most of the summer by watching the game's future stars compete for a coveted spot alongside the legends of golf. Tickets are available, and if you're looking for an upgraded experience, check out the hangar at the, uh, presented by Corona Premier. It's a premium venue with food and drink included on the 18th green. Go ahead and visit nb5invitational.com. Thank you to the Western Golf Association for supporting this pod, making these conversations with Dylan of, of possible, supporting New Club and everything that New Club is standing for and trying to do in the game of golf. They're a, a wonderful organization. And thank you, everybody, for listening and being a part of this podcast. Kevin and I you know, wouldn't do it if we didn't get to talk to you guys and, and chat with folks. So, so thank you so much for, for listening. And uh, go hit them straight. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week.